Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I was joined by Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and we hear this time and time again, you know, we have to take responsibility, there's no time to waste, and, you know, maybe we're just uh, lazing about our days and our time, and, you know, it's often told that, you know, when we take responsibility of our lives, things really start to change, but what does it really take to do that, you know, and there's a lot going on in our world today, the tragedy of a legend, um, a pandemic that is spreading around us, and, you know, the impeachment trials that are going on right now, and really gets us to start thinking you know what are we really doing today that it's making the most out of our lives and so there's a lot of ways in which we can do that but it really starts with what we can do now and the decisions we make today that can really ultimately affect that change and i'm very grateful for this sermon i'm very grateful for this conversation that has really been eye-opening on another degree join us here we go here's dr sammy this week's scripture is from matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 30 Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. 
He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So it's been a tumultuous and turbulent week. Right around 12 noon last Sunday, Kobe Bryant was killed with his daughter in a helicopter crash in California. Now, I've never been a fan of Kobe. People can tell you that. I'm not going to join the bandwagon now. Maybe I will. You know, he was a great father. But, hey, a lot of people are grieving this loss. How many people are grieving this loss? Kobe was important to you. Raise your hand if Kobe was important to you. Okay, not everybody. So you're in my boat. <laughs> but one of the things that tells you about Kobe's story is that you only have one life to live. And that at any moment, your life could end. Life, in, in many ways, in the deepest sense, is about competing risks. You don't know when, when your life will be over. And the truth is, everybody dies. And it might happen to us any moment. So what are we doing with the life we have now? Probably why Kobe's life is so triumphant in many ways is because he's an athlete that's redeemed himself with his scandals in the past. And he reformed his life, even in faith, and lived a life worth living. And he died because he was trying to be a good father. And I think that's part of the resonating part of his story is that it was redemptive, that he was living his best life now, but it ended prematurely. So what about our lives? What are the competing risks in our life? Because there, there's a risk in taking actions like taking the helicopter and going to your daughter's basketball game. And there's also a risk of inaction, meaning not doing anything with the life you have now. And that's something I want to reflect on. Second, we've been dealing with the coronavirus. Actually, some people in Google looked up, I know this is the stupidity of the United States, but looked up if you can get the coronavirus from drinking Coronas. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Jesus, Lord, we pray for this country. How stupid could we be? But, I mean, people are literally, they're like, where, where did they get that corona from? Is that from? Yeah, so that's what we're dealing with in our country right now. Um, again, you know, this is, this is no narrative at all. There is just competing disease. And it's creating fear and panic. It's a pandemic in China and spreading. The Lancelot, which is probably one of the most respected medical journals and planet next to the New England Journal of Medicine, wrote about how the coronavirus actually is much more severe than the news is spreading. Now, I'm not saying that to create panic, but what I am saying is that, again, life is about competing risks and competing disease. Something will eventually kill you. Usually the coronavirus, why you die is because you get pneumonia in the end and you can't fight it off. And if you don't get medical treatment right away, you're done for. And, and right now, 
You can die from a helicopter, you can die from a disease that you don't even want, and people are panicking if they're going to catch this disease. When the truth is, what we should be panicking about is, hey, what are we doing with the life we're living? This breath that we have now, I mean, what are we accomplishing with what we've been given? Why are we afraid to die? And the impeachment inquiry, of course, this is the worst part of this week. And we have no control as the Senate votes for not viewing any more witnesses. John Bowden's testimony, the, the, the ace that the Democrats had, it's basically gone. And all of us are tired of, I'm not, I'm not even reading on impeachment anymore. So I know exactly what's going to happen. In, in these three narratives, there's a common strand, there's a common motif and that we don't have control of anything. I don't have control of much. And so the wisdom that I want to talk about as a vision for 2020 is the idea of focus. Tell someone next to you, focus. To refocus your life goals. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are best friends, and they asked them together in a documentary, hey, what's one thing you need more of in your life? Because they have everything money can buy. Richest man number two and richest man number three. They have more money than kingdoms compiled in history. And they didn't practice this or rehearse this. They said both at the same time, what they need most in their life is focus. So if you don't have at least a billion dollars in this room, and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett needs focus. How much more focus do you need? Tell the next time, stop and focus. Tell someone, stop and focus. Okay, because you need focus. You need more focus than B Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. We need to focus, we need to refocus. What are we doing with our life that we've been given? Not focus when other people are doing with their life. We need to focus on what we're doing with our life. And this is what Niebuhr says in the Serenity Prayer. Can you read it with me? God, grant me to accept the things what? We can't change the impeachment inquiry. We can't stop the coronavirus from spreading. We can try to limit it. We can't stop other people dying around us or accidents from happening. Encourage to change what I can and the wisdom to know the difference. This week, if we can know the difference between what we cannot change and what we can, we can't change other people's lives, we can't change our government, we can vote, we can hope for the best. But those representatives are going to vote the way they're going to vote. But you can change your life and how you live it today. You can start that by making a decision here and right now. So let's look at this parable of the talents. Because every single person here, believe it or not, you are talented. <laughs> some more than others. Some less than others. But that's okay. 
but all of you, from this biblical framework, from this parable, been given a talent. So let's look at the passage. And this is the way I teach parables, okay? Today it's going to be a little bit different because this particular parable of the talents only has really the point and the lesson is synonymous. They're exactly the same. And so usually I give the point, the, the summary of what the whole point of the story is. And then I usually give the lesson. But there will be, that will be synonymous. And today the, the danger or the challenge of the parable. Okay, so point and danger and the challenge, what our action needs to be. So we read it about how, again, it would be like a man going on a journey in verse 14 who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one, each according, what, to his ability. Then he went on a journey. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. Now, if you want to really have a framework for what this is, um, because it's a bag of gold, this is more like a hedge fund investment. This is more really like an investment banking idea or private equity. This is a gold talent probably would be equivalent in today's time to a million dollars. Seven figures. So it's not like, well... The master gave one servant like ten dollars. That was a million. Tell someone next to you it was a million. Ask me if I would let you or invest in you a million. No, I would not. Right? Most jobs wouldn't invest in a million in you. They they hardly would want to pay you six figures. It, ten years. It takes ten years to make six figures for many people. All right? To make a million dollars, even if you make six figures with taxes and everything, I mean, you're not making a million dollars. A million dollars is a big investment. The Dow Jones, at average, is average basically 7.7% return in its history, 91-something year history. S&P, maybe 9.8 or something like that, from my memory. This is a lot of money we're talking about. But it says according to their ability. See, God has given every single person here what, what we call in the academy positionality. Tell someone next to you, positionality. What's positionality? Positionality is where you are born, what family you have, your social status, your social economic status, if you're a male, female your race, the situational context you're born into, and that positionality affects everything about what you will reap and what you will produce in your life. And everyone has a positionality. If you do doctoral studies, the first thing they talked about before you become a researcher is understanding your positionality. Understanding who you are because you might miss things implicitly. So the, the whole idea here then is what is the point of the parable? Read with me. What is it? Tell someone, tell someone next to you, responsibility. That's the point. You're like, man, that's not sexy. <laughs> Who wants to talk about responsibility? 
But that's the point of the parable. I thought long and hard, what's the point of the parable? What really is the lesson and the point of this parable of the talent that Jesus is giving? It's responsibility. If you don't understand your positionality and what you are ultimately responsible for right at this minute, you're going to squander it. You have to be focused on that. Because the truth is this. Logically, if you can't be faithful to what is in front of you, it is a certainty, absolute certainty, you cannot be faithful to more what is of, what's ahead of you or what in the future. You cannot manage more if you can't manage what's in front of you. If you're a student right now and you're not the best student, then you can't manage more than that. God has put the best things in front of you. It might not even look like much being a student in in New York. You know, going to the best fashion school, going to Columbia, going to NYU, going to other schools in New York, going to medical school, wherever you are. And this this is not a message about, hey, you need to be perfect. What I'm saying is, a lot of times we don't realize what's been given to us in front of us. And so we miss it. So the question I have for you is, how are you being responsible to what is in front of you? Because you know when people get in trouble, when, when they miss what's in front of them and look and continue to look what is what ahead of them and what's next, right? How many people are in counseling today because a paternal figure in their life did not focus and do what they were supposed to do. They were responsible. Most of counseling is about that. Psychotherapy is about one or two parents being absent, either abusive or silent or not present, which creates strong emotional deprivation schemas that mess you up in many ways. So if you're a husband, right now, what's your responsibility? What's the answer? Tell me. I want to know. To be a husband. You're like, oh, what does that mean? To be there for your wife. To make her happy. (laughs) To agree with her. Whatever she says. (laughs) You know when marriages get in trouble? When when either party says, only if I had another husband with a (laughs) six-pack. Or if I had another wife who wouldn't nag me, who would just be complicit to all my laziness. And so people continue and they start looking, what, around them and not what's in front of them. You know, I had an interesting conversation with those of you from college moving into professional schools like medical, business, and others. In my executive doctor program at Penn, I had a cohort member who, was the, who is the, currently the managing director of Harvard Business School, who was interviewed at Poets and Quants for his role as the Harvard, the, the, basically the number one 
program, business program in, in the world as the gatekeeper. And I asked him over lunch one time, I said, what, what in your admission process is the most important element do you look at when you look at applicants? Because over 10,000 people apply, the best and the brightest in the world apply every year. Because that's a lottery ticket to the presidency, to being the CEO of a massive Fortune 100 company, or starting your own fund, or, or, or FinTech, or any kind of things that people are doing now. And this is what he said. He goes, what we look at out of the 10,000 is not even the scores. And I'm like, you're lying, right? He goes, OK, we look at the scores. But it's not as important as you think they are. What we look at as a narrative over applicants, because there's 100 people that look at it, it says what we look at are takers and givers. If we see people that have amazing grades, amazing stats, amazing everything, accomplishments, but they started from a different place in life and they haven't given any much to society, we try to weed those people out. And I said, you mean stewardship? He goes, exactly, that's what I mean. We want to see what people have been given by life and what they've done with it. Folks, if you are hearing rumors about how you succeed in life, it's to cheat and to take and to not add value. I'm going to tell you directly from the horse's mouth, from the very managing director from Harvard Business, that that's not true. The best institutions are looking for people that want to give and produce more from what they've been given. So my question to you today, as we reflect on this week is, what are you doing with the life you've been given? Do you have a poor attitude? You complain? Are you venting? Or are you focused? Because you've already been given so much. Because God cannot give us more if we're not responsible or good stewards to what we've been given now. Amen? Because that's just facts. So how are you being responsible with your life? Because your life is a gift from God, but what you do with it is your gift to God. So let's think about that. I pray the Spirit will show you areas in your life where that part of your character is faltering. And maybe for the grace to be like, okay, I want to refocus how I live my life. Because you know, when you read this passage carefully, the master doesn't say, wow, you earned me more. Wow, here's the percentages of your return. No. Verse 21, and also the lesser talents, it says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And he talks about good and faithful. Good and faithful is relative to your responsibility, not to, to the quantitative degree of what you created. See, God doesn't care about your success like you think, how big or how much cares about the success of your character. Because if you can be faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. Let's move down. So that's the point. So what's the, what's the danger 
from this passage. Let's read it together. What's the danger? Okay, not one person, everybody. <laughs> You're all loitering in that saying when I'm doing what I ask. What is it? Danger is loitering. When you, when you think of the word loitering, what do you think of? Teenagers hanging out in the parking lot because they got nothing to do. Sometimes, like, I want to sometimes go out to teenagers and just start yelling at them, school started for your SATs. You know, it's just the idea of loitering is meaning you, 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 you just are idle and you're not doing anything. The danger of the parable is that even though we've been given an assignment and we've been given talents, ultimately we don't want to do anything with it. We just want to do what we want to do. And that's what we're trying to teach our youngest son, not to be loitering. Because that's all he wants to do, he says. I need to relax. <laughs> I need to be chilling. <laughs> when are we taking a vacation so I could chill it? I could chill in. And I'm like, what are you resting from? <laughs> School? Did you, did you see mom teaching me math? That's a lot of work. You know, I mean, and my wife should receive the saint award. Because teaching this kid math almost gives me a heart attack. I'd probably kill him. I'm serious. They would t I would go to jail if I was teaching my kid. And um, he wants to do anything but his work. And that's a child, right? That's okay. But this kid is, I don't know, he might be abnormal. Like, like every math equation. Oh, and, and he's just like, and, and he can't even help himself like, he, he starts just whining, oh, and he starts crying, like machine gun. <laughs> Why? We just did five. And the homework is 35 questions. After four hours, they're done. And I'm just like, oh. Say the word responsibility. <laughs> She's being a good mom. Well done, faithful <laughs> mom. But... This kid's just like, it's too thin with him. He just doesn't, he want, and he goes, Why? what do you want to do, iPad? I want to watch the Disney Channel. I want to watch basketball. Just wants to loiter. Even though he's been given a task. And that's okay in adolescence, right? You have to learn the, that balance between work and play. But, but if you read this passage, God caused the servant who did nothing with a million dollars invested into his ability. You see, God didn't give that, that master didn't give the servant investment because he had no ability. He did. And what does it show? It shows his character. Lack of character. <laughs> but a lot of us are loitering because of fear, whatever misconception we have about life and the pressures we have, when really you got to focus on what's been given to you, the task. Everyone has been given an assignment based on your ability. One time, Johan and I went to Banana Republic 10 years ago, because we don't go to Banana Republic anymore because it sucks. But um, <laughs> it's true, but they, they used to have nice things back in the day. And um, I remember, uh, and I still remember distinctively, 
And, uh, and I remember we're coming out of the fitting room. I'm not sure, I'm not sure which one of us had more clothes. I think it was he had more clothes than I did. No, maybe I did. And, um, no, no, it was him, actually. And then, and then um, he, he gave all his clothes, you know, like it was like four or five things, and he gave it to the person in the, in the waiting room, and the person hands it back to him, like kind of like, you know, throws it at him and says, can you fold this, please? And I lost my, you know, I, lo I lost my, I just lost it because I used to work at J. Crew in college, you know, um, and I knew what a retail person's job was. <laughs> Every day a person who works in retails, and if, if you're in charge of the fitting room, that, that's punishment for you doing something wrong. <laughs> because, I mean, especially women, they try like a hundred different things, buy nothing sometimes. And I knew, and, and I knew, because I worked at retail before, and I knew what my job was, and I did my job well. Even today, I'm the best folder in the house. Thank you. I'm, I fold really well. You want me to fold something? Bring it to me. Just and and um, you know, and I, I do it that fast. And um, and I took the stuff from Joe's chest. Joe was just like, "What's going on? What's going on?" I was like, "Don't worry about it." And I took all the stuff back and I put it back to his chest. And I said, "You do your job, bro." And he was like, oh. "I said it's your job. Why should I do your job?" But this is how our culture thinks that Banana Republic or McDonald's or Starbucks, you're too good for that. You know, if you earn $30,000, which the minimum wage currently is at in this country, and I say this all the time, you're a 1% earner in the, in the world, in the planet. You're being paid a wage for a task. A lot of people think they're too good for it. What does that reveal about yourself? Character. Poor character. Anyone with poor character can correct it if they could see it in them, that entitlement. But if you can't do a job you're supposed to do at a retail store or at whatever task you've been given, whatever job you've been given, how can you manage more? You can't. That's the logic of the parable. And that's also the danger. That's one thing we don't want to end up in our life, loitering. And what's your life going to be? That's really loitering. I don't know. Fears. Managed by fears and pressure. That's why we've got to refocus. And that's the grace in this passage, in this grace of this parable. The grace is right now you can change your life at this moment. You can literally draw a line in the sand plant a flag at 2020 and say, God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to work on the little character I have and I want to build it. Because folks, a lot of us are young. If you want more, you want more influence, you want more responsibility, you want more to manage, then match the character. And God will give you more. Because this passage says that the master took one talent from the person who did nothing with it and gave it to the person now who had ten talents. This is how promotion works in God's kingdom. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. All of us in this room 
already have talents that God's given us. There are things in front of us in relationships and tasks and assignments. The question is, are you faithful? Let's stay and pray together. Stand. Hello, everybody. I'm back here with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and we're here to discuss the most recent message that Dr. Sammy preached on uh, regarding, you know, the parable of the talents. And I really feel as if, like, you know, I'm kind of, uh, well, for the most part, I just love the responsibility conversation. But um, I feel like there's a little bit of a difference here with this one that I think, um, you know, really resonated with me on, on a different way. And I think maybe it's in the way in which God has really been working in my life. Powerful thing about about hearing the preaching of the word mm -hmm. is that it's never a, a discussion about just topics, but there is an illumination to the depth of something, mm -hmm. a topic that speaks to different parts of us that we weren't aware of. Right. So I totally understand what you're saying about the you know you love the topic of responsibility, yeah. but this felt different mm -hmm. because God is definitely in this moment in time to people speaking about exactly where those places are. Yeah. It's not the same places. It's not the same exercise. It's not the same way. Mm -hmm. But God is definitely bringing um, light to different parts mm. that have been dormant in many ways um, so that we could live a full life Yeah, regarding the talents that mm. God has given us. Yeah, and it's this isn't the first time I think uh, I've heard this parable in this lens, but you know I think what I mean by this just feels really different is that usually when I uh, listen to this sermon, uh, I get reinvigorated, right? I think, oh, okay, what can I put my abilities and capabilities towards so that I can really make the most out of my day or make the most out of my life? But I think this one just hit a little bit different in the sense that. Um, what we're given in the, I guess, the stations and positions that we're put in is not just about whether it's like vocation or like things that we have to do, but it's also like, are we being faithful to the people that love us? And are we being faithful to, um, you know, the relationships that we have? And I think this is just like more of a personal anecdote because I think, you know, one of the most important things that I find that the gospel really illuminates for me is, you know, how do we live the best life that we can live, right? And um, for a long time, I think I pigeonholed it to just like the things that I do and like the character I develop and the and the ideals that, or like the values that I live by so that I can be the best person I can be. But there's there's like deeper levels perhaps that maybe God might be addressing. Um, that's, that's apart from just simply what we do, but like who we are, um, which has been pretty illuminating. Yeah, you know, the issue of, or the topic of character development, right, is often talked about, right? Um, men's groups, women's groups, you know, how to be a man and woman of integrity, of mm -hmm. strength, of, you know, responsibility. But I think oftentimes we forget why character matters. Right. If we were alone in an island and we had to survive on our own by ourselves for the rest of our lives i'm not really sure how how far character would go other mm. than just to survive but why character matters so much and um why development of who we are 
um, as a person in Christ mm-hmm. is so important, and why that is character is because we are meant for relationships. Mm-hmm. So character is something that we could only correct for ourselves, mm-hmm. but it's never that ourselves is never the end, right? Yeah. It's always for the sake of others. Mm. So I think, and talents is that you know talents. Are that right? Talents are never so that we could hoard it for our own safety, and you know. And Je- Jesus talks about how the master scolds and takes away everything that mm-hmm. um, the person who was given and hid it and didn't do anything with it. They were actually scolded for it and yeah. not considered wise for maybe preserving it, right, or preserving themselves, um, because talents are meant to produce life um, not just within but around right mm-hmm. so I think it's an important it's it's um, always an important topic and it's always powerful and I love um, I think it's the perfect um, message for this time because there's a lot going on right now yeah. you know there are updates constantly about the pandemic of the virus going around you know we just had the loss of I mean these are just illustrations that Sam mentioned but just to name a few mm. that kind of make the highlights, right, yeah. of the papers and of social media, you know, are like, you know, Kobe and the helicopter crash, mm-hmm. the death of a legend and his daughter, you know, like, and um, the impeachment in Greece, like all these things and the trials that are going on. It's in midst of all of that, when we don't have the control, when we realize we actually don't have control Mm -hmm. what should we be in control of Mm -hmm. i think that question and you know to bring focus to the very important thing which is to focus Mm -hmm. because i think these things often throw us off um throw our focus off yeah from from life from responsibility from all sorts of great direction right Mm -hmm. Because we look around and our environment starts to basically kind of take over our minds a lot and our hearts and it almost entraps us in fear Mm. oftentimes. And a lot of times we get stuck. So I think the word focus is so powerful and so needed. Mm -hmm. And what does focus really look like? You know? Yeah. Um, I think these are... I don't know, it just seems so, um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard, it's so straightforward, but Mm. it seems so crucial for this time. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's the question that a lot of us have in mind, because, you know, because what I was reflecting on, thinking about with the sermon, is that, like, how much I thought I was focused, Mm -hmm. and, like, how, by how much of a measure I really missed the point, you know, because, like, Mm. I think it's, so easy to procrastinate and not realize that you've been thoughtless about some of your actions or inactions um it's so easy to put things off like relationships and you know or if you know you're looking for a new job or like getting something started right and you know we tell ourselves that there's more and more time um but it's it's moments like these that really help us reflect that you know like we don't know what can happen and time might go by or our lives might go by without us really capturing the most of these things and i think um like a lot of us or like me especially also i tend to think that i 
am very focused or I was very focused. Um, and it's only in hindsight that you realize, oh, I like totally missed the point, right? Like mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to be uh, or to have solid character um, <coughs> or to be so disciplined about things or like try to live by integrity um, like as much as I can was so that I can be somebody that, you know, can do relationships well or somebody that can grow to be a good father. Um, and I thought I was doing those things by, you know, being faithful to my job, trying to be the best worker I could be, trying to be the best student. Um, but with that, I got so distracted and caught up with the things I have to do that I missed that I have to be a good friend or like I have to be a good boyfriend or a good son. And, you know, it's like I almost thought I had the time to like pick that back up sometime in the future or like you know this will this will all make sense again when you know i revisit this or something like that but like my original focus for who i wanted to be was lost in translation and it's almost so dangerous it's like a slippery slope and you know it it really got me thinking because um what really you know this is kind of like what i'm attributing as like the last lesson that uh kobe left with me especially because you know i'm a big fan of basketball and uh kobe I think subconsciously more than consciously was a very big role model of mine as like a great father. And, you know, he's not blameless. Like he had, you know, like the allegations in the past and such like that. But like Dr. Sammy said, he paved the path of redemption as like a, like a great basketball player, but also a great father, a great husband and such. And if that's who I wanted to be, I totally missed that mark, you know, and because I thought I was so focused, but I was so distracted, you know, Hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of times people mistaken focus for being tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like being so focused on these tasks, like make you miss everything that it's actually about. Right. Mm, yeah. And um, and it's funny how that happens because, you know, and I wonder, is it as innocent as that? Yeah. You know, is it really because we were so focused on... um becoming better in relationship that we missed it or do we do we actually procrastinate on the most important things because maybe they felt like difficult yeah you know and i think sometimes it it, yeah like is it as innocent as that and Mm. do we are we really not aware of those areas because we simply were not aware or is it because we pushed it off because Mm. Um, a lot of times we want to focus on what we're good at mm. and not what might be a challenge to us yeah. that might benefit others. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think definitely that there is so much grace to change mm-hmm. and to realize. But I think if we were really honest, like I think there are many of us who will have to come to terms with the fact that we've been loitering in many ways. Mm-hmm. And we've been lazy in many ways and kind of put it off. Yeah. And it came at the cost of others um, being affected by Mm -hmm. our lack of responsibility. Yeah. Um, Whether it is in a relationship or it is in a talent that we've been given. so I think it's such a grace-filled message to bring these things up and to, it. you know, the word focus almost gave me courage to revisit 
and to re-examine my life so that I could live um, a life where I am not lackadaisical about um, every ability that God has given me mm. or positionality. Yeah. Sam talked about positionality a lot. That I think a lot of times, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you watch movies, there the villain seems to know the positionality of the protagonist mm. a lot better and faster than the procrastinator. Uh, blah, blah, protagonist. <laughs> the protagonist. Well, maybe we could call it the, the procrastinator. But the protagonist knows about himself or herself and usually becomes almost like an Achilles. Like it becomes a weakness almost mm. where the villain could win until the procrastinist realizes his or her positionality. Mm-hmm. What, um, what, uh, she or he has been given right what she had and he have has been um provided for where they come from mm-hmm. um so but i think you know i just say that about the villain but i think it's time we realize our positionality yes in christ mm-hmm. and also really really assessing like what are the abilities and gifts and um talents and um even like i don't want i don't know if the privilege is a word Mm -hmm. that i'm looking for but opportunities that we've been given yeah and are we really living these out to the full Mm -hmm. i think for the 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 reason why i think this sermon jarred me a little bit and with conversation with you uh from the past was that you know i think there are certain things that i was putting off because whether it was like fear or um, just like the the telling myself I wasn't ready for certain things that allowed me to not really be fully um, not being fully present there for people and like not uh, being faithful to my friends was like uh, it 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 kind of struck a chord with me because I think like man like how far did I deviate from my original goal like you know I think. The whole reason why it was important for me to have good character and like to build myself up in such a way and like utilize everything I've been given in these resources was so that I can be a good friend and like a good like ultimately a good friend to people, you know. Um, But somewhere along the way, it just became not that and it became about me and it became about like, am I doing the things I have to do? And when I think about that in reflection of the sermon, it's like, oh, no, I haven't. You know, like I haven't, I haven't really put thought and intention and effort into um, going to a friend's birthday or like, you know, um, expressing how I feel about people. And, you know, like I have not made returns on this. You know what I mean? Um, And that was kind of, it was disappointing, but I think it was like a really good wake up call for me because then it's like, like you said, it's that grace in this passage that helps you see that, oh, there is still this opportunity that I can grasp grasp, so that I can change my life, you know? And, it's, and that's like the opportunity that the gospel provides us with through Christ that we don't have to be this way or that we don't have to be stuck like this. Like there are ways in which we can really make the most and like give the most out of our lives, you know, like really bring out the best of our lives for other people. You know what I mean? I think that was super encouraging because, you know, I don't know how far I would have gone without having, you know, like really great friends and mentors tell me, like, this is kind of dangerous. You know, like, where are you at with this? 
um, and remember that, you know, we're called to relationship and be faithful to them also. And it's different from, you know, me just being a good worker or like doing all the tasks that I have to do. It's, you know, all those things were for the sake of relationship, you know? Yeah. No, I could see that you're talking about refocus. Yeah. That, um, that what you lacked in your trajectory, like you were headed a certain trajectory. The slogan was good mm. that I'm doing this for a full life, but yeah. in on the way there, you kind of everything that mattered became, um, I guess, secondary. Yeah. And if not on the list mm. of values, right? Yeah. And which are people. Right. And the people that you love and the people that um, to be a great friend in the journey, to be, uh, like you said, to be a great boyfriend, mm-hmm. one who loves his girlfriend well, mm-hmm. one who loves people in his life well, right? Yeah. And you're realizing, it's like, I think that's what you're saying, like it was so obvious, but you yeah. had missed it. But now you're focused back on what you missed and you're, it's a redemptive almost like a redemptive beginning for you to realize and to recollect all the things that were scattered Mm -hmm. and to focus on relationships. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because we come back to the very command of to love God and to love one another. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's great, Joe. No, thanks. (laughs) I've been thinking about it a lot because, you know, um, like I, you're you're, you're absolutely right. And I think you captured it so well with like the slogan um, comment because like that is like what I tell people all the time. And that is what I told myself all the time. Like I'm, I'm trying to make the most of everything. Like that's, that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to make the most out of my life for people like i want to make the most of my abilities my talents um, whatever uh, resources i have uh, my knowledge or you know experiences like all all of it at first was for the sake of other people and then slowly it became about like oh, i have to take care of this first i have to take care of that i have to do this otherwise like i can't do that and it's like um i like categorized everything almost to such a degree that i've kind of dug myself like if i was if i was the talent like i feel like i dug myself in a in a hole you know like for the sake of like making sure that i was um i was like safe or like i was preserving myself so that i can you know one day i don't know hopefully be better (laughs) or i don't know it was it was like a weird logic i had about it so that i knew that the intention was for other people i was but i wasn't doing anything for other people you know like i wasn't like um you know, spending time with people. I wasn't talking with people really. I wasn't, you know, going out of my way to do things for people and like really be uh, thoughtful and intentional about things. And, you know, I thought I had time to figure that out. And I guess like, I I really like the way that Dr. Sammy said, like framed it with like all the stuff that is going on. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, And, I th- I th- I tend to think that also, but you know, it's, for some reason we tend to think like there's all the time in the world to figure these things out. But you know, we don't know what's going to happen with that relationship, or we don't know what's going to happen to that person. Um, and it would be like remiss of me to waste that opportunity, or like to waste that time, 
and I, I, I didn't I didn't really feel like in the past like however so long that this has been happening that I was really making the most of things um, and it's a I think it's like a hard pill to swallow because you know I, I like to I like to feel like I have control of like what's going on with my life and my trajectory and my path and it's like so like narrow and straight and I know what I'm doing but then it's like man I just totally missed all the all the like scenery or like all the people around me that is supposed to make this journey so much fun or like so enjoyable and so full um and I think that's ultimately what God envisioned for uh, us and me like that in this life that we like really bring out the fullness of everything with people you know like all these things all these talents that we have um it was to share in the happiness of the master you know and like when i thought about sharing the happiness is like i i wanted to do all these things so that it brings god joy um but i was doing like the one thing that didn't you know i was i was kind of missing out on the one thing that really brings joy out of all of us is which is like real genuine authentic uh like fierce relationships and love that's like somewhere like mixing all that I think it's an interesting um interesting and also important application to the message that mm. you're talking about relationships yeah. as an ability because I think oftentimes when we think responsibility and the parable of the talents it's usually about what skills mm. um and that's usually the common um conversation right like yeah. what skills what what are the gifts I'm not using mm. that I'm not utilizing to better the world or to, um, you know, um, but you're, we're beginning this conversation focusing, mm -hmm. focusing on the relational part um, and the positionality to be someone of value and to value and to love others. Yeah. Um, as a starting point, mm -hmm. almost like as an, well, it is an application yeah. because that's what God is speaking to you about. And I think that's important because there are many people who are more task focused who may completely miss that. Yeah. That ability and positionality is about relationships mm -hmm. as well. Right. Um, so for people that may be listening, instead of almost going down the list of to do what I, should i do better mm -hmm. where should i um become stronger right. um god is definitely illuminating the need for relationships to flourish yeah because in the end love is lacking yeah and right? I, I think you're absolutely right i didn't like you know again like i i do feel like i'm specifically talking about this uh and not capturing the breadth of like talents and gifts so i think like it is really important to you know, make the most out of those giftings that we've all been given, you know, and make the most out of whether it's like our intellect um, or like our, even our bodies, you know. And it just like, I think for the most part, when I listened to this sermon in the past, it was like, yeah, like I'm going to work out harder or like I'm going to like apply my mind to read more stuff so that I can learn things and like, you know, add value to the world in this way. Um, but, you know, I think like this this was like very interesting for me to think about because you know I I kind of almost assumed that I was doing relationship as a skill um whereas like you know I say I, again say again Yeah yeah so, you know so like I, but like but like in the past when I listened to the sermon it's like I almost assumed like I wasn't making the most out of my resources and talents you know like I wasn't like you know I didn't have that vocation like I wasn't like 
you know, whether it's like physical exercise or like certain things, you know, I wasn't bringing out the most out of that area. Um, and so it's like, I, I like, like the assumptions almost flipped. And then I think it's almost like now that I'm also learning, right. That like these, these are also talents. Like if like, like relationships and friends and the people we love are like worth so much, you know, they're the, the some of the most important things. And like, it's so easy to like kind of overlook that this is like one of, one of, one of the most important things in life, you know, and I think, you know, you know, Dr. Sam talked about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And I think something that they commonly talk about is just like how great their relationship with, is with each other, no matter like how successful they are or no matter how much money they make and stuff like that. They really valued each other as friends, you know. Um, and I, th- I think that speaks volumes about, you know, we can do like all the things right. Or I felt like I was doing all the things right. Um, but for like, I almost missed like the application of those things like it's like it's almost like it brought me to oh for what purpose was i was i doing this you know like why was i working out so hard or like why was i um like spending so much time doing physics homework or something like that like it almost got me bringing back to like oh the point was not the physics homework and the point was not like that you know i killed myself at the gym it was like oh no like i remember i wanted to work out so that i can be healthy and like able and like also help people work out and stuff like that like that was the goal of that and like you know so I like I was almost like this sermon made me like reconfigure everything back into like just one like this is a bad analogy but it almost like I was putting lego pieces back together you know what I mean like I was like oh like if there was like a base foundation I was like so focused on that lego piece on the right and this lego piece on the left and then when I was thinking about like, okay, like what were the gifts that I, were, I was given and what were the talents that I was given and what was I called to be faithful to? It's like almost like, oh yeah, God asked me to be faithful to that, this person, like to love and like to relationship and, and such like that, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, what Sam said, I think is great perspective. Um, he said, you know, we get so caught up in trying to be successful. Mm and great at things but like god doesn't care about those successes as we do Mm. and i think that's a very liberating statement because a lot of times we're always trying to build right build up build up build up and um to be great at something because we've been told that you make your mark in the world by being great Mm. and that's excellence and excellence is the only way that you will have any influence in the world and i think there is a constant tape recorder um, playing in our minds that that's why you do this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's why, you know, I can't always, I can't really speak for why you did what you did, but you mm. did say, you know, why was I doing all these things? I wonder if sometimes we're building for our own sake. Yeah. For, to prove to ourselves that we matter, to prove to ourselves that were meant something mm. to realize really like did all of that really matter as much as um the investment of time and energy that we put into it um versus uh, or to- uh, then towards the things that really matter mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah. I think it's, like, commonly noted that, you know, a lot of the reason why people, or, like, you know, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but it just seems like you, you hear time and time again that people work so hard to, like, whether it's impress people or to show people that they did it. Um, or like so that they can stand on stage and stuff like that and it's like almost like if you look at it the common theme is like it was for other people and like they did all that for other people and it's almost like um we we like search for that when when we try to build ourselves up and it's and it's almost like this this narrative that the gospel presents with us is that like oh like you know if you if we can be faithful to our relationships and such like that our impact and our influence is not just like you know, one that's like of celebrity or fame or like recognition and stuff like that. But it's like real impactful, personal, um, like heart to heart stuff that can really change lives also. Um, and, you know, I think it's like it's it's almost like we all do these things or maybe odd things even for love. Um, when, you know, the call to love is like to 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 just do that, like to love. And I think one of the things that we talked about in our last podcast when it was when I was talking about um how we let people into our hills and valleys is that you know for this healing process happen you just kind of have to love or like to receive it um and i really thought about that because it was just like like what do i have to do to you know like this is just the way i was thinking about it like what do i have to do now to like figure out how to be a better like friend or to love people well and when you said to love and i was like oh man but that's pretty difficult it's almost like i safer to you know work on stuff or like yeah you called uh it a skill <laughs> yeah yeah it's, exactly yeah That's it's, why like, it's like can you repeat that yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it, it is a skill it's a really hard skill to hard to, skill yeah okay it's, it's, oh you're still on that that yeah, is a skill yeah i mean like i guess it's <laughs> not a skill but it's like um you know i almost and this is i don't know what happened but i i guess it was just not so easy for me anymore to 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 do that well, you know. Um, to do that well, can yeah, you explain? To like love people well and like um, be like empathetic and tender and such like that. And so it's like so much easier to just like work on tasks, like you mm -hmm. said. And like you want to treat relationship like a task, you know. Like, let's say you have your kind of basis covered about your talents and your other abilities and such, but you know, um, like it, like I almost treated that part of my life um and i thought like being faithful to relationships and people was like i just need to figure out like when to hang out with them and like you know um i just have to do these things in order to like show that you know i love them uh so yeah but it's you know i i'm like i'm like just really noticing that like it's like we want to like do things for love as opposed to like just love if you know yeah yeah well i think what i'm hearing you say is that um it became harder Did. to love yeah really hard yeah so it's not always that it starts out that way or it's not that it's our intentions mm -hmm. to become so stoic or to become almost like a cyborg mm. of um an effective skillful person only right but um, it become it. Life happens, and sometimes that's what happens to our hearts, right? Yeah. Whether it shuts down or whether it is overwhelmed by the environment or fear, which I think also why it's so important that we address fear, mm. and um, 
the things that we're un- unable to control, and that there is an aspect of focusing and refocusing for the sake of healing those parts and receiving healing in those parts so that we can be faithful. Yeah. Because I think it's it's not always the next step, but the next step, if the trajectory and the direction of the heart is set to want to be faithful, I think there are also steps. It's not linear, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Um, so desire can be there, but there's resistance and also obstacles that need to be overcome, right? Yeah. In order to be able to really be faithful to the relationships and the abilities and the positionality that mm. God's given us. Um, I think that's what I hear you saying, that yeah. there have been obstacles. Mm. And in order to almost overcome those obstacles, you began working on all these other parts of you mm-hmm. so that it's almost like not to go so strongly emotive, but like um, so that it doesn't have to be so hard emotively yeah. anymore. And it mm-hmm. becomes like, and we talk about this a lot in on one-on-ones with people, but it becomes an armor, mm-hmm. but a false armor that builds so that you think you're, you built an armor around yourself so that we you can be powerful and strong and overcome the world mm. and be effective. But actually, you've shut yourself out from the world. Mm. And so the healing process is beautiful. And, and why it's healing is because God comes in the awareness and the realization and the conviction mm. of the desire that we are meant for more. And He comes and removes the armor and in his wisdom and in his um, in his love. Mm. And the process of that armor, and it's not always an armor. I think there are different devices, right, of mechanisms that we, we have and we built without even realizing. But he uncovers that so mm. that we could fully um, live. You know, yeah. but there is a step that we have to take. Yeah. And I guess I just want to kind of, this is what... Um, I was on my mind mm. and heart when I was hearing the message. Previously, I had watched this movie. It's called Coda, C-O-D-A. It's actually a musical term for um, a classical musical term for a, an, an ending of a, a classical piece, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, but and usually it is very different from the rest or, rest or the structure of the um, prior piece, right? Or it's the same piece, but it just ends with the coda. Yeah. And I remember, um, okay, I remember like there was this, uh, I was, I, um, I, I competed in college for a piano concerto. And I remember it was a Mozart piece. Um, Mo, um, and it was, the whole part was fluid, you mm-hmm. know? And um, and also to mention, like at the time, I didn't realize, but I was having panic attacks from performance. Yeah, there was a time I loved performing, right? And it would be my first, you know, inclin- in like I don't know, I was attracted to um, performance, mm-hmm. but slowly through life, I think I became worn down, and with lack of self care of the mind and heart, like I started having panic attacks not really knowing the reason why then it's probably mm-hmm. pressures and all sorts of stuff and i'm um, always wanting to you know perform well for mm-hmm. others and i was kind of on that trajectory right and i remember 
you know, yeah, so I played the concerto and it was a piece I love, but I was in this tension, you know, because it was the best piece that I could ask for, Mm -hmm. for this competition. But at the same time, like my heart and my whole being couldn't be with it. And so for me, even though it comes naturally for me to play, um, the coda especially was so hard because mm. that's how you end a piece. And yeah. I remember for me, performing was really hard. I, like there was a concert, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the winner of the competition, and I don't say this to like brag or anything, but like for me, it was such a big deal. And this is what the Lord brought back to me. And I was literally the focus of the concert because I'm performing the concerto with the orchestra, right? But I dreaded the coda, Mm -hmm. the ending of this song, because it took a lot for me to even sit on the bench and play Mm because I was struggling. I basically played with a panic attack. And I think a lot of performers may be able to, um, you know, to, I guess, um, relate to that. But to end that piece was even more hard because the whole time you want to do well, but you're kind of stuck. You feel stuck in the moment and mm. you just want, you just wish you could get through the piece. Yeah. But so anyway, so there was this movie um, and it's called Coda and it's, all, it's about a concert pianist that is renowned concert pianist, right? But he actually life happens to him something happens to him and he actually started developing panic attacks Mm. and it's about him overcoming that one thing that was keeping him from really um using this ability to play piano and you know i I won't give away but basically it is it's a redemptive story of how he overcomes and i realized You know, there are things that we are so clear about, the abilities that God has given us, Mm. whether it is to love um, or whether it is a skill that benefits others, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But sometimes things happen where you get overwhelmed or panic attacks happen where Mm -hmm. you're physically, sometimes physically unable to do this thing that you feel God has given you to do. Mm. And that's kind of like my story. And I related to the concert pianist in the movie. And it was kind of my struggle, the tension that we find ourselves in, you know. And that's also what you said, you know, it became hard to do what I wanted to do, that my goals, you said your goals basically flipped. Yeah. And... I guess I'm talking about all this because, you know, I think what I felt God was saying was, you know, even the things that, um, that seem like, you know, maybe I should just kind of, um, oh, what is it? I guess uh, wrap it up, put it away, you know, um, save it for later or like put it in the back of your mind no longer a focus, you know, Mm. like kind of like maybe I'm kind of done with this area in my life. Um, This is a clear natural ability that God's given me, but I maybe it's um, not a trophic, but like obsolete. Because, well, if I can't be part of it, how could I? Mm. And um, God was reminding me of, 
it was the most counterintuitive advice that I would have, I think I ever received. And it's funny because psychologically, they say it's the only way you can overcome fear is to face it. Yeah. So when that happened in college, um, instead of God's telling me like, why don't you take a seat in the bleachers, Lydia? You mm -hmm. know, he said, I want, I real, I want you to know that you are more than what you feel right now. Yeah. And he basically told me to step up. And so I started to, um, I continued leading worship. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I shared this in podcasts before, but I be, I started to lead worship. I continued. I didn't mm. give up. And every week it was hard. Yeah. But in that process of facing my fears with community, um, and you know, the thing is no one knows that mm. you're having a panic attack, actually. Yeah. It, because you, it's what's happening on the inside, right? right? It's not something people could really know on the outside. But as I showed up and showed up, and because at the time that was all I could be faithful to, mm. I can't fully engage, and that was hard for me because it's not perfect. Yeah. But all I could do was just show up and be faithful, mm. and you know what? It went away. Oh. Because it came, it came to a point where literally the panic attack no longer had a hold on me, because I showed up, and the confidence that grew in the midst of the tension became greater than whatever I was trying to keep together inside. Mm. And I feel like, you know, and I, I guess I share this because there are gifts. And, you know, I actually want to say this too. Like, you know, I also had to learn this. Like, God's not so concerned about my success as a performer. Yeah. He's more concerned about me living the full life of calling and faithfulness to serve him and to love him and to love others. Mm -hmm. So I am not, I didn't go in the direction of performance, but I went in the direction of being faithful and worshiping. And it liberated me to know God's not looking for a performer. Yeah. Or a great performer. Because, you know, I think we get sidetracked. Like, the world tells us we have to be extraordinary. And I actually want to share this poem, like, later. But, you know, we're told that we have to be so extraordinary. That mm. we get focused on being extraordinary. That we don't even know that the steps to being extraordinary in life, it starts by being faithful to the little things. Mm. You know? Yeah. And being faithful to the people that are around us. Even if it seems insignificant and yeah so that's kind of like my story but it was liberating mm. and to know that the father's heart is not for me to succeed but it is for me to be fully faithful in the capacity and that capacity kept growing and now i am unafraid to mm. lead worship to lead worship because it's not about performance. It's not about me falling on my face because of my panic attack. But regardless of anything that could happen, because I showed up, I know that at the end of the day, I am living the full life because I was faithful. Yeah. And I did much with it. Right. You know? And I, um, but I think in the same way, there is a story of recovery and why it's a message of grace, the parable of the talents. Because... 
it's not that God is saying, oh, start something else, like do something. But God is also kind of helping us uncover the parts where we've been loitering yeah. because of fear, the places where we've been kind of ignoring mm-hmm. um, people and relationship because of fear and rejection. Right. Um, but God is redemptive to bring all parts, abilities as well as people to be faithful to mm. as a, um, a wife, a husband, future husband, future wife, like as a friend, a friend along the journey, yeah. as a mom, as a father, you know, future moms and fathers. Like I think the portion of reexamining responsibility is so powerful mm-hmm. because it shows us that our life is way bigger than the trajectory of being great. Right. You know, mm. that responsibility really means to be faithful despite circumstances, despite how small you feel your capacity is, but mm. to show up and to be faithful, you know? Yeah. So whatever the areas may be, you know, and you, I love that you started with the area of relationship or it may be, a re- um, an area where it was so clear, but the trajectory became more about greatness versus faithfulness mm. to love others and to love God with it, with the abilities, positionality. It really is a game changer. Mm. You know, what we do with the life that we've been given, right. the talents, did you feel million like, bucks. Oh, mm. I'm sorry. But I, mm. did, did you feel like it, was a lot of work to be faithful to that oh yeah it was so much work Mm. it was a lot of work because it's going against the very resistance of comfort Mm. or you know yeah you get so comfortable because the thing is you know you could ignore the abilities and it's comfortable yeah it's it seems almost peaceful Mm -hmm. but it has a way of catching up and affecting others and affecting you yeah and for me, it was a clear example, you know, like natural ability of being able to play. Um, I know that it is not the education only that I've received as a music student. It is something naturally given to me. So it's something that was undoubtedly given, mm. you know, by God. But yeah, even that, I think I could have complete. And I, there's so many stories mm. of people having talents, but they don't because they're not in the trajectory of i guess fame even it almost gets put away to the side you know but yeah i think it could have been way comfortable yeah but it was yeah the the reason why i ask is because like you know when you were speaking about this it like made sense to me that it almost seems like the servant that was given the one talent um was just like it's too hard i don't know if i could make more out of this you know like maybe he was looking at the other servants with the five talents and two talents and doing something with it and it's like i'll just put this away i don't have to think about it and that's almost the way that i saw love and relationships you know it's like because i i remember now that when i talked about it with um my friends and my girlfriend it was like yeah i just i just don't want to think about it like i'm doing these things I'm like almost organizing my life so I don't have to think about relationships, right? It's just too right. hard, you know, like, right. you know, and when I think about it, it was just like, it really is me being thoughtless about it because um, what, 
I'm just putting it off, you know, and, you know, I, I made whatever mechanisms or whatever defense measures so that I can just not be so overwhelmed with the thought of like loving people and like being loved and like, you know, going the extra mile for people. Cause like, I think at some, somewhere along the way, I just thought like, I can't keep doing this, you know, it's just too difficult for me. And it was easier to just shut it off um, and put it away, you know? And I wonder if, you know, I, I wonder what it takes to come, come back and redeem this area or like find retribution in it. Because like, whenever I think about it, it just seems so hard, you know, like when I think about expressing my care and love and being empathetic again and trying to be more sensitive again, I, I just get overwhelmed, you know, like I just, it, it, it like hurts my brain to think about getting people gifts and like telling them how I feel and, you know, all this stuff. And so it was like, I just stored it away. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to see it. It's almost like I didn't want to see it again. Um, but now I'm thinking like, you know, when, when my master, like when God asked me about what I did with that, it's like, Oh, I didn't, I did nothing with it. You know, that seems awful. You know, like I, I really didn't, I, I'm very grateful that I'm hearing this, right? Like I'm, I'm learning this now so that I, I do have the time and uh, the resources to try to make, something out of something I've just been procrastinating and like putting away because it was so overwhelming. Um, but you know, I, like, I don't, I, it, I, I wouldn't want to, to waste that or like to have wasted that, uh, because I do see that my relationships are a gift. And, you know, I always say that, you know, the greatest thing I have in my life are my relationships and my friends and, you know, you and Dr. Sammy and, you know, I've been given the world through these things. And it's like, Man, if I really feel that way, what am I doing with that? You know, like it must—it must have been so hard to overcome panic attacks. But it's almost like um, this is like like an emotional panic attack about mm. you know uh, relationships because like you know whether it's like I don't want to like lose the relationships or like you know like I'm sure the servant felt like he, if I lost his talent, I'd be like, oh man, like I'm screwed, you know. And so, like, it's just m much smarter. Like, it seems much smarter to just, like, put it away. At least I didn't lose it. Um, and I have something to return at the end of the day. But, you know, I almost feel like I'm treating relationships the same way. It's like, man, I'd, I'd much rather not lose out on friendships and things like that. And so, like, I'll just preserve all of them, you know, like, do nothing with it. Like, keep them as, like, the same as possible. Stuff like that. So, I don't know. It just got me thinking because, like, it must take a lot of hard work to overcome that. Yeah, but you know what? I think you said it. It's a defense mechanism, right? Mm. Yeah. But it's actually a lot more simpler. The process that God uncovers and redeems is very deep, right? Mm. But I think to undo, this might sound very simple, mm. but okay, here we go. Oh, boy. So it was like this, you know, in First John 4, it says that perfect love casts out fear, right? And it's as simple as that. If you fear loving, love. <laughs> if you fear saying you love someone, say you love someone. Do that thing that you don't want to do. You make it sound so easy. Uh, but you know what? That's like the only way. I think we complicate it. We complicate it that it almost becomes this formula. And like, 
and this defense mechanism gets just gets fancier and fancier. Mm. But really, the code is to do the opposite. But don't like a lot of people say like there's like a healing process and like. But the healing process could only begin as we show up to it, you know. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I remember um, when I was in college, I was a counselor at a retreat, and someone told me my heart wanted to love the youth so much, right? It was mm. like youth group kids, but I am a really shy person. You like, are? it might be hard to believe, but I was painfully shy as a child. So for me, my struggle growing up always was I felt more in my heart than what I could express, mm-hmm. right? So I always felt like there was a disconnect with that. Yeah. But yeah, so I went to this um, youth retreat as a counselor and I saw these kids and I wanted to love them so much, but I was literally separated or I distanced myself from them in by a couple of feet. Like I wanted, there was this one time, like I remember I wanted to go and approach them and um, give them give them a hug and pray for them. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally two, three feet but I stood two, three feet apart from this student that mm. I knew God was calling me, leading me to approach. Mm. Out of fear, I could not step into it. For an hour, I stood there. And I just, and you know, I was college and I, I could say, well, God, you know, make it clear. You want me to really speak to them, you know? Yeah. And there's so many stories about that. Like, God, you know, do a cartwheel, make someone jump five times, yeah. you know, and we're looking for, but we complicated. Like I was sure, but I was looking for a way out. And I'm really good at that. I'm yeah. really good at making things easy and kind of, you know? Yeah. This is because I know this is what I do in workouts. Right, right. I try to do less burpees yeah. and less lunges because I'm like, you know? Yeah. But, and that's our tendency, right? But yeah, it was hard for me. But I remember um, one of the counselors told me this great advice. It was like an epiphany. And the person said, if you're afraid to love, just love them. And I was like, that makes sense. So it was like a three day, three nights, four days. I made it a goal. I couldn't do it today, but tomorrow, if this happens during the worship session, I'm going to approach that student and mm. I'm going to just let them know that God loves them. Mm. So I made it a goal. Did it give me a headache? Oh, yes. Yeah. Because it's inconvenient, right? Mm-hmm. But. That's how I started kind of coming out of my box. Mm. Like, that's how I got out of my own shell. And I stepped over and I said, hey, um, I just want you to know that God loves you and you're not alone. And I think I said something like that. And this girl, you know, teens, Mm. she was like ice cold. And then I said, can I pray for you? And then... She rolled her eyes at me. She's like, fine, if you want to. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, well, let me just pray for you. And it, I didn't sound bold or anything. I just, I was like, okay, let me pray for you. And I just kind of put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed for her. And she started to tear mm. and cry. And um, when I saw that, like, I experienced that that's what you do. Like, if you're afraid to love, you love. If you're afraid to express love, then do it. You know, that's like 
it's the only way and going back to the, it's not a skill because it becomes you give your heart to it right yeah. it's a relationship but yeah actually you do get better at it mm. and it kind of catches up your capacity catches up to the heart that you want to live mm. so showing up and being faithful to the little things is huge i never thought that i would be like you know be able to like love people and love my children the way that I, you know, love mm. them. Because like I said, I was always that shy kid who couldn't say what I wanted to say. But I started saying the things that I wanted to say, mm -hmm. expressing the things I wanted to say. You know, I remember like, it was so hard for me. I remember when Sam and I first dated, telling him that I loved him, um, into into like a month into a relationship because i knew it um i remember because he had already laid out all the cards for me like laid it out and said lydia i love you and i'm you know because we've been friends for so many years right yeah. but it, when it was my turn i remember i was like i have to tell him like it almost felt like cairo's time was coming mm -hmm. and i needed to make sure i was on time with yeah. it because it was hard for me and I knew that I might just kind of like let it pass, let it pass, let yeah. it pass. So one day I decided, you know what? I'm going to tell him I love him. And I remember I was talking to him for an hour on the phone. This, these are the days when people didn't text or message, but you actually talked on the phone. Yeah. And um, I remember I was talking with him and it was an hour. I was like, oh, by the way, I have to tell you something, Sam. Oh, what is it? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just like tell you. This is how I was. Like, mm. I was so afraid. Yeah. Because it, it, like, loving someone or giving your heart to be faithful to something is like the most vulnerable thing, I think. But yeah, so after an hour, I was like, uh, yeah, so um, Sam, um, I wanted to. It was literally like this. Mm. It was not very glamorous. I was yeah. like, I just knew I had to do it because yeah. I owed it to him and to myself. Uh, Sam, you know, so, uh, you know, um, so you know that thing I was going to tell you? Yeah, I, I'll tell you now <laughs> for an hour. Uh -huh. And he was so patient. I said, Sam, I wanted to tell you. And I literally went oh, yeah. under the blanket. The anticipation I was is killing so me. embarrassed. But this is kind of how it was. Yeah. But I guess, and then I went under the blanket, right? For my own safety uh -huh. by myself on the phone and I said, Sam, I just wanted to tell you that I love you too. And then I won't tell you what he said. Okay. But <laughs> the <laughs> but audience is going to want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you could ask me personally, but yeah. And then, but okay. All but I'll just tell you, he was yeah. so happy to hear that. Right. He was like, wow, thanks for telling me that. It was honored, yeah. right? But yeah, it was hard. Mm. I think it's always hard in the beginning. Showing up fresh feels raw and so awkward. But, you know, conflicts get resolved when people face awkwardness. Mm. Um, loveless relationships transform into loving relationship yeah. when you face it and start loving. Mm. And, you know, gifts that and the abilities that feel obsolete because there's... Um, I don't know, because it's not, I don't know. When you start being faithful to those things, you know, it's it, it's very amazing that God has a place for those gifts. It might not be, you know, fame, 
Most mm-hmm. time it's not. I think that's the illusion we live in. Yeah. It may not be fame. It may not be our glory and you know greatness. But God has a place for those things if we show up and are faithful mm. to those gifts and abilities. Yeah. I know that it's like we have to be faithful to like the small things. But what if it feels like a big thing? <laughs> you know, like I. But I think. Oh, what? Yeah, I mean, I was because like. Again, like I, I kind of understand what you're saying. Where you try to find ways to get out of it, because like the immediate next question I want to ask you was like, yeah, how do you do it? You know, like what, what do you have to do in order so that you can be like at that place where you can do that, confront that fear. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, it almost seems like, like a rewiring of habits, right? Like you always start with like the small things, and eventually it accumulates into like a large change in your life, right? But it's like, what if it doesn't feel like a small thing? You know, like it feels so big, like so difficult to like confront, and it's like paralyzing or something. I'm not saying this is what I feel. You know, I, maybe I do, but you know, like <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, like what do you have like an idea of? how to approach that you know or like is it the same thing or like is there a little bit so i would say that feelings are important but they're oftentimes very subjective yes and feeling of fear especially like anxiety Mm -hmm. feels a lot heavier and bigger than what it really is so i would go back to the simple um action of doing what it is that you've been running away from Mm. yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah, again i mean you're right i think it's like it's just so hard you know i think like these last couple of days have been a little bit weird for me because i've been trying to i guess i'm trying to confront this area best way i can i'm trying to take your words to heart and i just have to love and you know i'm uncovering a lot of things you know it's like um pretty eye-opening in the sense that i think a lot of the times the reason why i don't want to be friends to someone like that the act of being a friend not like oh the the title of like friend or like the defining the relationship in that way um or like like actually being friends to someone is that sometimes i think it's just so overwhelming you know how much i want to give myself to people and like to the relationship and it's like it's almost like i want i've always had best friends when i was growing up um and i've lost a lot of best friends you know and i think i was afraid of having best friends again you know and i think that's like one of the reasons why i think i like felt like i, I just have to bury this friendship thing and like this relationship thing for a while because it was it was almost just too big to approach again like that that feeling that you know someone is like so close to you and like knows you so well and understands you um you know like I, it just i didn't i don't think i like felt like i could do that again or something like that um you know and so like i just started treating people like acquaintances like people i know i was like offering myself to people as a resource (laughs) like uh and like just kind of cutting out like all the like emotive aspects of it you know like i was engaged in such a way that it was like touch and go and like i just talk to you and then you know i don't have to think about you um and like i what i'm trying to say is i think i like i am kind of starting the i i think i see it like i think i see like the healing part because it's like like now that i'm trying you know like i express to my 
I expressed to my girlfriend recently that, you know, I think she's my best friend. Um, and I feel that way. Um, and, you know, like, it was, it was really hard to, like, say that or, like, to, you know, like, no, it was really hard to say that. You know, like, I just didn't think that I would be at a place where I can, like, say that someone is my best friend again, you know. Um, but I did it, and it was just like, oh, I guess that's it. You know, like, I, it didn't feel so, like, overburdening all of a sudden again to, like, put that <laughs> on someone or on myself. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like, I, like what I'm saying is that I'm seeing how what you're saying is true. Like, you confronting those fears, no matter how big it might seem, um, like, it's liberating. Like, it, it really is. You know, I think acknowledging that I was afraid of friendship and, like, acknowledging that it was hurtful for me to like accept that I didn't want to have best friends anymore and stuff like that. Cause it might hurt me. Um, and confronting that. Um, and like, I guess opening myself up to that again was, uh, it felt good, you know, like it's the best way I could put it. You know, I think it felt like appropriate or like it felt right. You know, like I just, cause that's, that's who I was when I was younger a lot. You know, I always had a best friend based on circumstances that always changed and then like i lost a lot of best friends and so i did, just didn't want to have it anymore it's almost like, it, like again like burying the town is like pretty significant to me because like i just wanted to throw it out forever and not see it again um but you know i have to like dig it back up and like do it you know like i have to I, like i want to be friends with people it's not like it's not like who doesn't want to have friends you know um and so like i think it's like this is like some of the biggest things in your life or in my life that was so hard to confront or like i thought i had more time to put off or figure it out when i was in like my middle age or something it's it's so important or it feel at the after the fact you know before the fact it didn't feel this way but after the fact it was just so important that i did that you know um you know I, i'm not like based on various events that happened like i think the death of kobe Bryant also like kind of helped with this because like i I just realized like what if i missed the best part of my life because i just couldn't confront this part of me you know like then i would have let it slip by me and like it would have been a waste you know like because i really love relationships and i really love people a lot you know it's like so hard to say and express but i do um so it's like the most important thing to do and i think that's why it's so important to like it's so important that i i felt like this message was so important because it's like it it is the challenge to really really like dig deep and like reflect and think about what it is, what are those things in your life that seem to be uh getting in the way of you, you like really maximizing or i don't know optim or making the most out of your life uh, so that you can, you know, begin to live that fullness that God called us into and like to really, uh, live in, like walk in that call. Cause you know, I think I was, I was always this and I was afraid to embrace it. And, uh, now that I'm like slowly yeah. trying to embrace it, it's like, and I think what you're experiencing is that this love is building your relationship up. Yeah. Yeah. Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's edifying the relationship. It's building it up. Mm. And that's very important because 
You know, when you have a significant other, you choose to love each other, and you fall in love, and you commit, right? But when you have children, they don't necessarily have to love you.、Hmm. You know, but how will you love your children when they are not very lovable,、hmm. or when they're not understanding how much you love them? So it's another degree of, I guess, challenge, right? Yeah. To love, and I think loving your wife, loving your spouse, is so important because you become a support for one another. That when raising children is also difficult, and it comes with the challenges, you can love them because the unit is strong、hmm. and built up. You know, a lot of people choose to love their children versus their spouse, and kind of you lose that unit,、mm. and the family gets divided a lot of times. I'm not saying this is not this is the, always the case, but I think a lot of times,、um, sometimes parents choose、um, their children over their spouse, for example, and there's a lot of breakage as a result because it becomes me and my kids versus you,、mm-hmm. but. What happens when you actually love each other in a relationship and become a supporting、um, partnership? You can love your children even better. Yeah. And also, loving your children、um, will also come with challenges of you stepping out of comfort. Yeah. And also,、um, you know what? Comfort is not the word. It's Loving your kids is not uncomfortable. Loving your kids is just challenging because、yeah. it's a love that you're pouring in without really receiving fully. Because kids are meant to be loved, right? So it's it tests your pride. It tests your、um, you know so many things. But how will you choose to love, right?、Yeah. I so I think love just has to increase、yeah. as. We expand our families, even right? right. And it like starts now. I think is、yes. like the important thing. Because、yeah. like I think like I thought that I would just magically be able to do this like when、mm-hmm. I have kids or like when I'm married and like you know I was just like yeah I like figure it out then you know.、Mm-hmm. But it's not true. Yeah, I don't think so. Really, I thought that,、um, but I don't know if like that would have been the case now. Because you,、uh, you know, this is still fresh. So I, I don't. I'm just kind of like. Spitballing a little bit about it, but you know, like I thought it was just kind of like because I had like this mindset that like you're not really ready for things until you like have to do it. You know,、um, I was like, okay, like I'm not ready to be a father until I am a father. I'm not ready to be a husband until I am a husband. So I was just like, okay, I like I'll like do it when the time comes that I am called to like do that. You know, but it's like the same thing applies for like me even being able to express love, right? Like it's like if I can't. Like I'm not really ready for it right now, you know. I thought I wasn't ready for it, but if like I don't do this, like how am I going to like get to these other steps? You know what I mean? Like it's not like I'm just suddenly going to be not just suddenly going to change. Like it like requires like the steps to change, right? It's like I'm not saying this is like a little thing, like, but it was like a really big step in like building the foundation so that I can be. Like the father that I want to be, or like the husband, or like the friend that I want to be,、um, because like it just doesn't magically happen overnight. Like maybe it does for some people,、um, and but like myself included, I, I like kind of discounted that almost like I just like overlooked that very important piece because like 
I thought it was just going to happen. Right. Like, as a natural process. Right. But, you know, love is like a gift, like an ability and a, a talent as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say a skill per se, but, like, yes, there's skills involved, but you know what I mean, yeah. right? But love, actually, your ability to love increases as you love little. Yeah. And it increases so that you can love more. Mm, yeah. And that's why love literally has a way of increasing capacity as you're faithful to it. I mean, like, if you think about all the um, schemas, right, that develop in adolescence because of lack of, um, abs- like, basically absence, right? Because parents are not present yeah. for their children as they should have been, Um kids are hurt as a result and but if we can be faithful to love the little ones to love each other um you know to overcome with courage with love over the things we're afraid to uh, be faithful to or to try um given the abilities that god's given us think about what kind of inspiration or that it would bring to the next generation and to the people around us i think that would bring so much hope for people to overcome especially now where mental um health is at such a i don't know it's it's a very dire time right Mm. with everything um happening um and people are really struggling right if as people of god we could step up and rise and not perfectly but with a growing mindset overcome the fears and the circumstances of this world and step in to be faithful to the things that god has given us i think that would be very inspirational and um empowering Mm. to people around us and to our children Mm. I think that's how kind of talents work. It's not so much that, oh, we're doing this because for the sake of being faithful, but, you know, God has a way of working everything out and weaving it into a masterpiece, Mm -hmm. into a great mosaic, into something so much greater than our tunnel vision could, you know, envision that we're all part of a greater picture, you know? Mm. So... And all he asks us is for us to be faithful to what's in front of us. He's not telling us to do this grand thing, yeah. but to be faithful to what we've been given hmm. so that he can give us more, so that we could become good stewards of everything that he's given us. Because that, I think, would change and restore so much beauty where there is fear and anxiety and you know lost hope lost dreams yeah and um and without caring so much about this success to be extraordinary you know like i (laughs) i grew up reading biographies Mm -hmm. when i was little and um i always i read about florence nightingale Mm, thomas edison and you know all these people and i always thought you know, I, I always thought, oh, I'm not going to be a nurse, but how can I be like that inspiring, right? Like, that's how I was inspired as a kid. Or I would read, um, you know, Thomas Edison, like, well, I'm not going to be an inventor or a scientist. That's, But how can I be 
I don't know, excellent the way that he was excellent. So much that like there was this myth story about like, this sounds so silly, but like uh, Thomas Edison, he was so busy and then focused in his work once in his experiment that instead of boiling an egg, he was in his lab trying to have a boiled egg. He like put his watch in the boiled water and he ruined his watch. Or there was a story like he was... I don't know, there's silly stories of people that are so focused, right? I was inspired by that, like, what kind of focus, you know? But, um, so, like, you know, when you're little, you're inspired to do the best you can be, to be faithful to what you've been given, right? But I think with social media, with all this comparison, you grow up thinking, I gotta be better, I gotta be great, what am I doing with my life, like, why did why why did they have that where are they like what how did they get that platform like you know there's all sorts of comparison that happens that Mm. the goal to be the best and to be faithful goes out the door it almost seems like childish yeah you know like fairy tales like really that's so that's where the Mm non-influential if you want to be influential you gotta be successful like maximize everything but you know what i think we complicate it to the point we lose the point yeah and we're no longer being faithful to what we've been given instead trying to be something and someone else yeah god never ever cared about right does he really care how many people um follow us or how many people we're speaking to at one time yeah so called a platform or is it the life we live in and and our faithfulness to the places he has called us to the people that he has given us you know what i mean yeah so yeah i think this message of focus of loitering because of fear and you know, lacking stewardship and coming back to responsibility and stewardship and becoming thoughtful about the talents that God has given us brings our focus back to kind of like the old, I don't want to call it old school, but Mm -hmm. to the very simple things of the beginning where without pressure, without trying to be extraordinary, without trying to be great, without trying to prove to our parents to others like look at me but just being faithful to what we've been given Mm -hmm. and if we have not been faithful because life happened or things have occurred and you've been traumatized like god is also offering grace and redemption to heal so that we can show up and overcome the obstacles like that's really the grace of the parable right? right He's calling us today Hmm. to not procrastinate, but to show up today and to be faithful today. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) You know? So it's not late for anyone. Right. You know? So it's definitely a call to examination, you know, to all the things, not just the parts we want to work on, but to all the things. So that God can restore beauty in all things. Hmm. Yeah, like you're surprised that, oh, I didn't know he was going to work on me. Yeah. But I think that's the surprise all the time in the gospel, that God has, God is working on me. And what we surrender to, like how we surrender to the Lord, actually builds others up too. Right. And that part is not always up to us. But as we're faithful, um, I think... 
as a community, as people looking into the community of God, it becomes a witness all on its own. Yeah. You know, how we live and how we value what God is, who God is. Yeah. His gifts, talents, you know, a million books. Right. People. The good thing about this passage is that, you know, if you feel like you're late to a New Year's resolution, you could start, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I would say, like, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> but with a growing mindset. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing. It's not all or nothing. You know, right. it's not you, you look at your schedule and you go, okay, well, when I get to that day, I'm going to make this happen. Right. It's a work in progress every day to show up to be faithful. Yeah. And that's kind of like the parable that it grows, mm. that God gives you more capacity, increases. So God is very gracious. Mm. True. Yeah. Yeah. But the applications seem almost too simple but um, and difficult at the same time. But he would not call us to be faithful if... We could not be. He will never give us more than we could handle. Yeah. So it may not be like overcoming panic attack like like mine. It might not be as drastic as, you know, overcoming a trauma per se. But it could be uncovering the places where you felt lazy about. You yeah. know, it might not have to do with pain per se. Mm -hmm. But it might just be about wanting to just kind of cruise and be a taker and not you know, wonder for even for a moment, like, what is it that God has given me? It may be even at the initial stage of that. Yeah. But God would never call us to anything that we cannot handle or do. So, and I think that's what makes it very, very simple and clear is that the gifts, although we may deny them compared to others, the gifts and the abilities that God has given us as talents, if we really want to pay attention, um, we will be able to identify them. Because yeah. I think people often might say, well, I don't have talents. But Bible makes it clear, God yeah. has given all of us talents. So if we're wanting to know the truth, we will see it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, faithful to that even discovery. Yeah. You know, and having a growing mindset about achieving that goal. Mm. So, yeah, resolutions. But it's a lot more of a process right. of um, committing to being faithful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's something we that was so straightforward as responsibility is always so much deeper and wider, the perspective and the vision God has for us through mm -hmm. his word like how god's word through preaching illuminates um the things he wants to say through the word in us and how he brings that together is amazing mm -hmm. god's word is so um powerful it really divides up the things and clarifies the right. things that he is saying to us so it's um God breathed word. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful for the word this week again. And yeah, anything you want to say before we close, Joe? Um, no. You said a lot. Joe, I did actually. say a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just uh, I'm just trying to bring 
the most uh i guess relevant well not relevant i guess like i'm just trying to live out you know or like try to be faithful to all the things that i think god called me to be faithful to i mean like doing things and working and like you know podcasting and coming to church and you know that stuff is not so difficult for me because like i know that this is like purposeful i didn't think it was so purposeful for me to work on my heart you know so um you know i'm i'm working on it and i want to do it I th- yeah i want to do it so can i um so i think people who listen might actually appreciate this but can you say what it is you're working on because you you like you kind of like have a way of um um my wordplay thing yes yeah. but theorizing things oh but what is it exactly three things joe since you were very open in uh-huh. this podcast yeah. about what god is speaking to you about right uh-huh. we're to be faithful so two, one to two things of practical application of um, what you will do of what okay i will share how i feel about people and about things in my life um more like explicitly and um, okay so what does that mean like write cards and uh, what will you say like generally you're asking for money no are you uh, asking for uh, a book no. what what will you express in these how cards and i love them and how much i appreciate and how much these people matter to me and um not letting that slip away and uh another i think is like you know um asking people for help also because you know i'm not very good at it so i will i'm still working on that i'm going to do that you know it's really hard for me to ask for like prayer and tell people that i'm going through a tough time or something like that you know so i'm that's that's what i think i have to be faithful to and that will help you be faithful to my friends family uh relationships and you know i think so having a growing mindset yeah about asking for help Mm. so that you can love better yes Uh, you pretty much said it for me but yeah i i I do want to grow and being able to love people you're not gonna write cards and say well i just want to say this thing that i don't i can't even (laughs) talk the way that you do i'm not really sure what you're talking about Um, like where you sound like a little bit like a star trek member oh (laughs) but just teasing but that's good that's a great step i think that's a great goal and i think that's a goal for many of us so Mm. thanks for sharing i was just uh (laughs) teasing you a little bit thank you pastor i couldn't have done it without (laughs) you of course okay well um so we're just gonna be closing our time of conversation together Mm -hmm. and i want to bring your attention to the ministry time because as I always say, and I am the queen of um, re- repetition, but mm-hmm. like it is powerful to be convicted of what God is saying in the message and to come together as seekers and people of God and to bring that request to the Lord 
and to bring it before the living God, mm-hmm. which is prayer, is really powerful. And so I really encourage you to keep listening to that part. And that's it for this week. Um, have a great week, everyone. And let's be faithful with everything. And focus. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. Father, I want to pray today that we become people, men and women, of faithfulness to what is in front of us. Whether that's a residency, whether that's a fellowship, whether that's a student, undergraduate, graduate, whether those are jobs, whether that's a parent or a husband or or a wife or a friend. Help us not to do more than we need to or dream about doing more than we need to, but today we pray that we'd focus on what we need to do and do it well with a grateful attitude. Lord, make us deeper people. Because God, we have so many smart people that ruin this planet, God, every day. Because they think they're smart. They think they deserve better. But are not faithful to the responsibility given to them now. Isn't this why our country is a mess right now? The people we elect are not doing their job. They're not responsible. We can't change that. But we can change being responsible in our own lives. And we can teach responsibility to our children. And we can be responsible in our workplace and in everything we do to the glory of God. So Father, we come before you this afternoon as we examine our lives and refocus how we're going to live. Help us, Father, <coughs> in our community. Help us be the best fathers to our sons, to our daughters in front of us. Help us be the best friends to the people you've given around us. Help us to be the best students, doing the best we can with what you've given us. Because though we can't change the world in a macro scale, we can change the worlds you put us in. To every son and daughter that's loved today, it will change their life tomorrow. For every husband and wife we love in front of us, we'll plant seeds of life change and value. And for every friend we're loyal to and pray for, that we can be an arm around the shoulder at difficult times. It will change their lives today. We might not be able to change everything, but we can change some things. I pray today we become a community that know the difference and see that change all around us.
So will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 